Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. So turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read a psalm to you before we jump into Matthew 1. I think it's important. It is Psalm 47. I would encourage you, maybe Christmas morning, to read this psalm. It speaks about God being king over all the earth. I love the psalms because nothing magnifies the attributes and characteristics of God like the psalms do. If you really want to get to know the Lord, if you really want to come into a deeper relationship and understanding of God and who He is in the depths of His wisdom, power, and glory, I would encourage you to get into the Psalms. Neglected book today, when people get into depression, if they fall into depression, my prescription is the Psalms. And as they read the Psalms, you see a cycle going on every now and then where the psalmist is in the pits of life so to speak some of the deepest trials in his life and then he begins to focus on God and who God is and he starts to come out of that because when your attention is drawn towards the Lord God Almighty your attitude changes amen your mindset changes so Psalm 47 As you're in Matthew 1, I'm going to come to that. I'm going to get there in just a second. So God is king over all the earth. That's what the theme of Psalm 47 is. It says, clap your hands, all peoples, exclamation point. Do that. Clap your hands, all peoples. Imagine imagine them. Now, these weren't read. These were sung. The Psalms are God's hymn books. So you can imagine as they're singing at the temple and they get to that first verse, they open up. Clap your hands, all peoples. Clap your hands, all. I guarantee it, it was a lot louder than that. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. (laughs) Come on now, this is church. You can get excited about God. Yeah, some of you guys look like you were baptized in lemon juice. So, for the Lord the Most High is to be feared a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth, sing praises with a song. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne, the princes of the peoples gather, and the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Nine verses in that psalm, but Really, I don't know where you're at and what your understanding of God is, but the Word of God declares He is King over all the earth. Matthew 1, let's look at verse 18. We're going to read to verse 25. 
I'm not taking this passage apart this morning. We're going to zero in on a verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, the God we just read about, the God of Psalm 47, the God who is king of all the earth. That's who the baby in the manger is. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. By the way, the doctrine of perpetual virginity of Mary is not of a right doctrine. The scriptures clearly declare here in Matthew chapter 1 that she was a virgin conceived of the Holy Spirit, but after she gave birth, she had sexual relations with Joseph and they had further children, which you could read about later through the Gospels. Okay, so Lord, thank you for this day. We love you. We thank you for seeing us where we are, meeting us where we are, not turning your back on us, not running in the other direction, but running to us. We thank you that you are king and we serve a king. Whether the world would recognize that or not, whether the world would receive you, Jesus, as their king, it doesn't matter because you are king. Rejection never changed who you are. Rejection never depleted you of your power and your glory. You gave or set aside your privileges as the king who reigned in glory to become a servant for us. We just pray this morning as we get into this word, Lord, that you would speak to each person here in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, <clears throat> how many have fond memories of Christmas when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah, three or four of you do. You know, I have a lot of fond memories of Christmas growing up, but there was a Christmas I remember when things changed. You know, we used to get the Sears catalog, Christmas catalog in the mail every year. I grew up with three brothers. We anticipated around the 1st of December that big catalog coming in the mail. For you that are 40 and under, a catalog was a big book with pictures in it, color pictures. Uh, you guys are in the tech age right now. You don't see too many of them. But we used to look forward to that Sears catalog because it was filled with good stuff. It was filled with, you know, pictures, color pictures of hunting stuff, filled with pictures of toys and everything a kid could want. And every year we would 
spend time looking through that catalog and my brothers and I would be pointing out things that we wanted. If we had spent as much time as we did in the Sears catalog, we would have been honor roll students as if we did our homework as much time. So anyway, we're there and we're picking out our gifts and my parents never without fail would always give us a couple of those things that we would pick out. They'd say, hey, make a list, put it down, and Santa's going to check it twice, see if you've been naughty or nice. And if that was true, we would have never got a gift, trust me. One of my old neighbors is here in church with us this morning, and he could vouch for that. We were not the best neighbors growing up. So we would tell them, and then, you know, Christmas morning would come, and all the, we would gather around, we would wait for that moment when mom and dad gave the green light and we opened up our gifts and the room was filled with joy, thanking God for what he gave us through our parents. At least that was the mindset. We weren't really thanking God because we didn't know him, but we thanked God because that's what my parents wanted to hear. And so we would, we would just be, it, the room was filled with joy. But then there came a Christmas when we began to open up our presents and it wasn't filled with joy. It was filled with kind of low thank yous to mask the disappointment. And I still remember my parents saying those words. We thought it'd be nice to give you what you needed this year, not what you wanted. <laughs> really? Christmas isn't about getting what you need. I mean, that's parental responsibility. <laughs> we opened present after present, and it was shirts and socks and underwear and jeans and stuff like that. That was their responsibility to get us those things anyway. They were our parents. In fact, if it was today, we'd probably turn them into social services. <laughs> <clears throat> but... We got what we needed and not what we want, and that forever changed our Christmases. But you know, really, when you think about it, Christmas is in fact that. Christmas is not getting so much what you want. Imagine God. We just read about Him in Psalm 47. And as He's on His throne, imagine if He appeared to you and said, I will give you anything you want on this earth. In fact, he did that at one moment in history. He appeared to King Solomon. When Solomon first took the throne after his father David died, it says in the Bible that God appeared to Solomon and said, whatever you want, I will give you, Solomon. And he asked for wisdom, and God said, because you didn't ask for gold and silver and all those other things, I'm going to give them to you anyway. And he became the richest man in the world. But imagine if God appeared to you and said, I will give you anything you want. Anything you want in this world, it is yours. What would you ask for? What would you want? The dream job? The dream spouse? The dream bank account? The, the dream house? The dream car? What would you ask from God? Not many of us would have emulated Solomon. Not many of us would have followed in his footsteps asking for wisdom. We would have asked for a bunch of stuff that we want. But you know what? God did not come to give us what we want on Christmas. He came to give us what we needed. 
We're here in this series on Behold the King. We've been talking about the King and the arrival of King Jesus. We talked about the anticipation of the King. We talked about the incarnation of the King. We talked about the adoption of the King last week. This morning, we're going to talk about the provision of the King. The provision of the King. What did God provide us on that first Christmas morning? What came... And what was most needful? So I've broken it down into two points. That's it this morning. I want to talk about the necessity of the provision of the king. The king's provision. I want to talk about the generosity of the king's provision this morning. But first of all, the necessity of the king's provision. Look at chapter 1 with me once again and focus on verse 21. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus... For he will save his people from their sins. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that's what Jesus means. Jesus means God saves. Jesus is the New Testament form of the Old Testament word Joshua. Joshua is a shortened version of Yehoshua, which means God saves. God saves. Joshua was the one that led the people into the promised land, and he was the one that took the reins from Moses, bringing the people into the land of promise, conquering the land, settling in the land, things like that. When we get to the New Testament, Jesus is that form. That's what the name means. Jesus actually means God saves. God saves, and it tells you what his purpose is. He came to save his people from their sin. That was your greatest need. That was your greatest need in this world. Some people have said before, you know, if God thought your biggest need in this world was money, he would have sent an economist. They say if God thought that your greatest need in this world was technology, he would have sent a scientist. But our greatest need in this world is being reconciled to God, being forgiven of our sins. That is your greatest need is salvation. And I don't know where you're at this morning. You may have had a mindset in that direction, but you have never, ever, ever, ever saw your need for Jesus as a Savior. You may understand it, but you may have never embraced it, and you may have never grabbed it. But that is the primary reason that Jesus came in to this world. It wasn't to show us how to live only. It wasn't to show us how to love only only his primary thrust in this world for becoming man was to save us from our sins in fact in first john chapter 3 verse 5 it says you know that he appeared jesus speaking of jesus in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin that's why he qualified as a sacrifice but that's what john says the same one who wrote john 1 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same apostle who wrote that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit later on in 1 John says, you know that He appeared to take away sins. To take away sins. That was His number one reason for coming to this world. And the necessity of that provision is seen really in the debt that he paid, the sacrifice that he made, and the table that he laid. Look at the sacrifice he made, for instance. If you look at that, or the debt that he paid, 
It is a debt that you and I could never, ever, 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 ever pay on our own. Never. One of my favorite songs is Jesus paid it all. And the words of the refrain go like this. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. When from my dying bed, my ransomed soul shall rise. Jesus died my soul to save, shall rend the vaulted skies. What an amazing song when you think of the riches of that. Because a lot of people don't understand the magnitude of the debt that they owe to God. That is the reason why people don't see their need to come to Jesus. They have no clue to how big that debt is that they owe God. Many of you during this time of year will go in debt. I know that by statistics, that during this time of year, people like to go Christmas shopping, and they set a budget that they never stick to, and they begin to get into the stores, and they say, oh, and as we're going through the store, we buy things we didn't intend on buying. I mean, really? How are you going to pass up a deal like that? A $50 sweater for 10 bucks? See? How many know this is a $50 sweater? Yeah, it isn't. <laughs> It's a $10 sweater on sale for a dollar. But we go in and we rack up debt and we begin to rack up debt that we didn't plan on racking up. But the stats also say that most of the people that go into debt during the holiday season through shopping too much will eventually work their way out of it during the next year. That is, if they don't go too crazy, they'll work out of it the next year. And they'll be okay. They'll be debt-free until Christmas comes around again and they begin to shop again. But the debt that we had, we could never work out of. And if you have credit cards and you don't pay that debt long enough, the creditors show up and they're going to start repoing. They're going to start to shut you down. And if you don't pay the bill on your house, they're going to repossess your house. If you don't pay the debt on your car, they're going to repossess your car. And that's become so intriguing that there's even a reality show now about repossessing cars. And so the creditors will close in because they're owed that money. There's no way of getting around it. But yet people have a hard time understanding the debt that's owed to God and thinking that it's not going to get called to the carpet one day. That he isn't going to call in the note. That he isn't going to close the doors and that's it. But the debt is going to be called to the carpet one day. For those who have never ever trusted Christ. And that's why Colossians is so important. Because Colossians speaks in chapter 2, about not the festivals and not the celebrations and not the sacrifices that were made in the Old Testament that could possibly take away the debt, but the cross, the work on the cross, it says in verses 13 to 14, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling 
the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That's the only way that the debt could ever get paid because it's deep. You're talking sin now. You're not talking finances. You're talking offenses against a holy God, which you and I are guilty of every day. Which you and I continually break the infractions of God's laws, maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally. And so that debt just keeps getting racked up. Racked up, racked up, racked up, racked up. And there's going to be one day where the creditor is going to call the note to the carpet. The necessity of what Jesus provided was so important because it's the only thing that can cancel the debt. The only thing. The sacrifice that He made. It's not just the debt that He paid, but the sacrifice that he made in John chapter 15, verses 13 to 14, says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Hebrews 10, 12 through 14 says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the whole idea of Hebrews is the Old Testament sacrifices that were repeated over and over and over again could never take away the sins of people. It only put them on a layaway plan. Until Jesus showed up, died on the cross, and wiped out the dead. He nailed it to the cross. If a sacrifice wasn't needed, God would have never sent His Son. If a sacrifice wasn't needed, there wouldn't have been no Christmas. If a sacrifice wasn't needed, Jesus wouldn't have lived a life of rejection and isolation and loneliness at times to die a humiliating death on the cross. But it was needed. That's why when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was praying, Father, if it's possible, possible, Possible. If it's possible, possible, let this cup pass. He's talking about the wrath that he was going to endure on the cross. If it's possible. And because he went to the cross, the answer was given. The answer was given. The father said, no, son, it's not possible. It's impossible to let this cup pass. It's impossible to let this cup pass. There was no other way than through the sacrifice of Christ. And it makes me magnify God all the more and love Jesus all the more when I realize that He willingly laid His life down. That that was the only way. The only way was through the sacrifice His blood shed on the cross. It makes me praise God for all eternity that He went ahead with it. That he gave his son. If there was another way, the cross would have been circumvented. If there was another way where God didn't have to break into humanity and live a sinless life, born of a virgin, seed of the Holy Spirit, there would have been a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. Or a door one, door two, door three. Father, 
the suffering I'm going to endure. Let's go with door number two. Okay, son, we'll make that the plan of salvation. No, that wasn't even on the table. It was only plan A and there was no plan B, no plan C or plan D. It was plan A, plan A, plan A. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.